Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. Genesis 18, three men appear to Abraham. Why didn't they call ahead these three visitors? I don't know why. You know, uh, it would have been much easier on Abraham. Uh, maybe they would have, uh, they, uh, would have kept Ab- going if Abraham had not been so enthusiastic about showing hospitality to them. Uh, they, they're there, and they do not keep going. They stay there. And it reminds me a little bit of the Yeshua on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection. Remember that story? There's one instance where it's, he made as if he was going to keep going, and they restrained him, so he went inside and ate with them, and then that's the time where he vanished, you know, and then he, was, he wasn't there anymore. And uh, they realized after he had broken the matzah who he was. They didn't even realize it was Yeshua. He was talking about the prophecies. Amazing story. But these three visitors come, and so imagine God... Can God come in human form? Can God come in human form? Well, we read here the Lord Adonai, and it's Adonai, yud heh vav heh. We call it the Tetragrammaton in theology, the four-letter name of God, yud heh vav heh. We don't know how the name is pronounced, Yahweh, Yahweh, uh, Yehovah. We don't know, and it's, it's not wrong to pronounce it anyway. It's not forbidden. It's just that we say Adonai uh, because it's easy. Some say Hashem in the Orthodox, like Hashem, to show respect for God, saying just means the name, saying God, rather than pronounce the name. But TLV uses Adonai, and that's what typically we do. But there is a Adonai for just Master or Lord, a different word in, in Hebrew that just means Master or Lord. And here it is the Lord. It's clearly yud heh vav heh, the four-letter name of God, appeared to him, and it says, and when he lifted up his eyes to see, suddenly, hine, let's say hine, hine, suddenly, remember, behold, hine, hine ni, behold me, here, right? Three men were standing right by him. When he saw them, he ran to the entrance of his tent. So he's eager to show this hospitality to meet them, and he bowed down to the ground, and he, and he begins to converse with them. So let's not be numb to or lose sight of the significance of this remarkable pre-incarnate appearance of Adonai to Abraham. Let's not be, be numb to it. God, in human form, as a human being, comes and visits Abraham. And remember, he who said, before Abraham was, I am in Ego Ami, in Greek, John 8, 58. Yeshua said that, remember? How many times have we been told by our detractors, God would never become a human being? We're so told that in, in when we witness to our Jewish people. Oh, God would never become a human being. Look at this instance. Jews, we're told Jews do not worship a man like Christians do. 
We don't worship a man. We worship God, all believers. We call this anthropomorphic imagery in theology. Now, I remember this, this, reading this story. I've told this story before. But I remember driving from central Pennsylvania, uh, where I was uh, pastoring uh, at the time, to teach at the Bible coll- a Bible college in Massachusetts. And I was driving up there. I was going back and forth. And I was reading this story in my Hebrew-English Bible, uh, Genesis 18, on the seat of my uh, Volkswagen Rabbit. <laughs> and a uh, crummy little car was, you know, didn't, it was not good for those highways. But, and, and, seeing, and seeing that this word Adonai again and again, uh, that he's one of the three visitors. And I remember it blowing my mind. You know, then the, it says the angels went to Sodom and Gomorrah, especially in verse 22, it says the angels, it says they, that they're called angels later on, Malachim, went to Sodom, they go down too, and Abraham remained standing before Adonai. So there, there's the two go down, but the third one, there were three men, before it says there were men, Anashim, and they stood before, Abraham stood before the Lord, and it blew my mind. I remember I was so excited, I almost got in an accident. Look at it in verse, I'm just going to go through these real quick. Adonai, verse 1, it's Adonai, appears to Abraham. Verse 2, three men, Shlosha Anashim, suddenly, Hine, are stand, they're standing right behind, beside him, maybe like Star Trek, I don't know. That's uh, Jason's and, and his family, they love Star Trek. I do? Star Wars, oh my gosh, sorry, that's my bad. Thank you for correcting me. Oh my gosh, that's a real mistake. Star Trek's way before your time. All right. I will most, okay, verse 10, I will most surely return to you. Sarah, Sarah will have a son, he says. <laughs> Sarah will have a son. Uh, now, verse, who is speaking? Verse 13, Adonai, here it is again, Adonai, yud said, why did Sarah laugh? We'll talk about that laugh in a minute. Was that how that happened? Verse 16, the men, the men got up and looked down over Sodom. All right, verse 22, the men turned from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham was standing before Adonai. Why is that important? Because in chapter 19, verse 1, the two angels, now he tells these, these men were angels, Ha-Malachim, Shnei-Malachim, two angels, came to Sodom. So there's no longer three, there's two. The one, other one is still with Abraham. Verses 10 and 11, chapter 19, the men struck the men at the doorway with blindness. Verse 15, the angels rushed Lot out. So who were these three men? Rashi says they were three angels in the form of men. This is just his take on it. That they were Michael, who came to inform Abraham of Sarah's conception, Gabriel, to overthrow Sodom, and Raphael to heal Abraham because it was the third day after his circumcision as an adult. Now, how did these three know Abraham's wife was named Sarah in verse 9? Interesting, right? How did they know? Because they, one was God, they were angels, and they were, knew what was going on. They saw people, the angels, they see what's going on on earth. People up there, they know what's going on. They can see it. Hebrews 12, etc. Now, let's look more closely at the site. Adonai <clears throat> appears to Abraham. Three men stood over him. Verse 2, eight, one, 1 and 2. Uh, the men went towards Sodom. Abraham stands before the Lord. Adonai left. Chapter 18, verse 3. The two angels, not three, two angels came to Sodom. There are a number of theophanies 
or Christophanies, some call them, occurring throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. These are pre-incarnate appearances of Yeshua, the Messiah. And there are a number of them, and I've listed them, Abraham to Avram, Hamachisedek, Melchizedek or Melchizedek, uh, to uh, Hagar by the spring in the desert, Genesis 16, to Abraham at Mamre, Genesis 18, to Jacob at uh, Peniel, Genesis 32, to Moses at Sinai, Exodus 24, to Joshua near Jericho, Joshua 5, to Isaiah in the temple, Isaiah 6, to Manoah and his wife, Joshua th- uh, Judges 13, and to Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might know them by Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. The, remember the, that wonderful story, the fourth man like the son. He's like the son of God or like the son of the gods. He is like the sun. He's there, and he comes in the midst. And so God, all, many times in Scripture, many times has appeared as a human being, and it's not foreign. So when we share that Yeshua did that, yes, it's, it's completely unusual. Yes, it's completely uh, revolutionary. But all these appearances preceded. And so may the Lord... Give us a vision also. May we not be surprised, and may we be given a vision of the Lord's face. In Psalm 11, verse 7, it says, Yashar yecheyu hanimu. The upright, the straight, will behold his face. And that word, uh, chaza, the Hebrew word, to behold, means to see what is not normally visible, to be given a vision. So, Lord, may you give us a vision of your face, we pray. Lord, give us, I pray for everyone here, Lord, give us a vision. Give them a vision of your face, face to face with you, Lord, a special vision of your face as we walk straight with you, Lord. Not, not crookedly, but straight and straight with you, Lord, by your grace, because of your faith, your grace, and your, your word, Lord. Follow your spirit, Lord. <clears throat> Let's not be surprised by that. Now, in Genesis 18, verses 9 and 10, what happens then? Then these three said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And there in the tent, he said, Abraham says. And then he said, I will most surely return to you in about a year's time. And surprisingly, Sarah, your wife, will have what? A son. Hmm. Really, a son. And so we see now, this is where Sarah actually laughs. And it's in verses 12 and 13. Sarah's listening at the entrance of the tent. And behind him in verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. So verse 10, Sarah laughed to herself. She laughs, saying, after I've grown decrepit, after a while, that's how it translates it here. She's, in other words, no longer menstruating. She's no longer able. And she says, after I'm at this point, she says, can I have desire? God created sex for pleasure as well as to have children. You know, the beautiful God created it. And my Lord is so old, so Abraham passed ability to have it. Then Adonai said to Abraham, why is it that Sarah laughed, saying, can I really give birth when I'm so old? And then this beautiful statement, verse 14, is anything too difficult for Adonai? So back in 1717 of Genesis, just back one chapter, Abraham reacted 
similarly to how Sarah did, but even worse. Because Abraham, if you look back in 1717, we see, then Abraham, when God told him that Sarah is going to have a son, Abraham, 1717, fell on his face, and what did he do? What did Abraham do? He laughed. Yeah, he laughed, and he said to, to his heart, Will a son be born to a hundred-year-old man, or will Sarah, who is ninety years old, give birth? So Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live before you. And God said no, and then God tells him he's going to name him Yitzchak. Let's say Yitzchak. All right, Yitzchak is Isaac, and the word for laughter is Sachak. So as I had a Hebrew teacher in uh, when I was at Temple University, where my dad taught, at, at Dr. Sharashevsky, he said, you say, if you laughed, sachak, 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 and it sounds like laughing, sachak, sachak, sachak. So it almost sounds like what the word is, laughter, laughter. God says, says, you laughing at it? Says, name him, you think it's impossible? Name him impossible. Name him, it's, I'm going to do just what you think I can't do. I'm going to do what you think. Now, Abraham was in front of God, Sarah was by herself. Abraham laughed out loud. Sarah laughed to herself. The reason both of them laugh is similar. Each thinks that Abraham is too old to perform and Sarah too old to conceive. And yet, there's an important difference. Sarah expresses surprise at the prospect as well as excitement. She does not express doubt about the possibility of this occurring, according to one rabbi. In contrast, Abraham's phrasing expresses doubt. 17, 18, he says, Oh, that Ishmael might live by your, in your, you know, by your favor. Ishmael is enough, Abraham says. No need to try for the impossible. God responds with an illicit, explicit rebuke, but does not say, but does say that the child should be named after Abraham's laugh. So Sarah's reaction shows that she's learning she is learning this for the first time. Abraham apparently never informed her of the earlier revelation. He never told her that God had told him that. And yet further evidence that Abraham didn't really believe the promise. Wow, Abraham didn't really believe God was going to do it. So he never told Sarah. Why tell her? Wow. And yet, God still loved Abraham, didn't he? And God still chose Abraham. And God still loves you, and God still loves me, even when we, yet we, he, we don't believe he remains faithful in 2 Timothy 2.13 because he doesn't deny himself. Amen? 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, I like that translation, King James, if we believe not, yet he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Genesis 18, 14, is there anything, is anything too difficult for Adonai, for the Lord? Is there anything? Well, there are a few things, right? Is there? Is there anything? Let's ask ourselves the same question. In the Hebrew, it's three words, just three words. Hayifalel me'adonai davar. Really would, tra I translate it this way. The extraordinary word from Adonai. The extraordinary word from Adonai. Pala, this word means to diverge from the norm. To diverge from the norm. God does 
what is not the norm, what is totally, totally, absolutely different from what's normal. That's what God does. He can do anything. Isn't that amazing? So are there other divine conceptions in the Bible? This is important. Are there other divine conceptions in the Bible? Well, consider this. When Eve or Hava names Cain or Cain in Genesis 4.1, this is an amazing prophecy, a messianic prophecy many don't look at. She explains his name by saying, I have created a man with Adonai, but it's really, you know, so some would translate it with Adonai, et Adonai. Some translate it would, that would not translate that et and just say, it's, I've created a man, he's the Lord. It's the Lord. He's God. Now, Cain was not God, but there's a, an illusion there, a, like a premonition or whatever. The Messiah is going to be born supernaturally. Kaniti et ish et Adonai. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. You can look at it later. You'll get, realize the impact of that. But, or divine conception, picture of it. Or the children of God, B'nai Elohim, are said to have been propagated with women and produced giants. Strange passage in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 4. Or Samson seems to be the product of a union, say some rabbis, between Manoah's wife, Manoah's wife, and a visiting angel. Now, we know this is not divine conception in this way, but these are rabbinic ideas. So when they tell us, well, God could never, you know, there could never be a divine conception, well, these are in rabbinic thought. Isaac's birth from Sarah, according to Jewish Hellenistic philosopher Philo of Alexandria, is this miraculous way. So Yeshua's birth we know, comes through the Holy Spirit and is totally revolutionary. And that's where, in Matthew one eighteen and Luke one thirty five in the New Covenant, Yeshua is called, as Isaiah prophesied, 9-6, El Gibor, the God-man, as I like to translate it, El Gibor. So, God and man. But this is a miracle birth when people say, well, God could not do, you know, there could no, be no virgin birth, nothing like that. And we'll talk about this another time as, as we approach the, the Christmas holiday, you know, Hanukkah and Christmas. But these, these kinds of things have happened throughout Scripture uh, in other ways to give us an idea that God can do anything he wants to do. Now, what word or thing, ask yourself, do you think is out of the question as far as being able to happen for you or for someone else in your life or someone else's life? beyond the realm of reality as far as it coming to pass. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Well, the answer is the very words themselves, the three words in Hebrew, the extraordinary word from Adonai. The extraordinary word from Adonai. Something with your health, something with your career, your marriage, your son, your daughter, your grandchild, your dream, your future partner, an addiction you're wrestling with, healing, breakthrough, deliverance, the answer is this verse, the extraordinary word from Adonai. Ah, Lord God, my Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. 
Nothing in Jeremiah 32, 17. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? In verse 27, Jeremiah 32. God doesn't predict or promise or call us to do what is normal and routine, but what is unusual and out of the ordinary. What is extraordinary. And he will do just as he has spoken. In Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2, look there. Genesis 21, 1 and 2, what does he say? But it says, Then Adonai visited Sarah just as he had said. And Adonai did for Sarah just as he had spoken. Oh, it may seem like God's promise isn't going to come come to pass. You say, oh, I just have given up. I felt like God told me that was going to happen, but it's just... I'm just too old now. It's just too long now. It's just been over. You feel that way about something? I know. I can sure I can think of that. Listen, just as he has spoken, it will come to pass. Just at the time he has chosen, it will come to pass. So Sarah became pregnant and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age at the appointed time that God had told him. What extraordinary word has God spoken over your life? Have you forgotten it? discounted it, or given up on it, perhaps he wants to speak it over your life today through, through this message or through a, the song you heard today or earlier or, uh, or another one or a prayer warrior that's going to pray, someone that will pray with you after the service. Maybe he wants to do it that way. Don't give up. Sarah didn't believe God's promise. She laughed at it. Abraham was worse. He was a bad example to her. He laughed first. Yet look at how the Lord sees and speaks to of her later. This is what he says of Sarah. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive when she was barren and past the age, since she considered the one who had made the promise to be faithful. What? She did? Yeah. That's what God says in Hebrews 11.11. That's how the Lord sees her through the finished work of Yeshua through the blood of Yeshua, through the, and that's how God sees you and I. He doesn't see our, our missteps. He doesn't see our faithless times. He sees our points of trust, our times where we do trust. He doesn't see our, all the points of times when we didn't. I love that. The angel Gabriel told Miriam when she was understandably, when she understandably asked, how can this be? How can this be? The Mir- Mary, Miriam, uh, and he, the angel t- told her, nothing will be impossible with God, Luke one thirty four and Luke 137. So to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? What follows this episode is the beautiful passage of Abraham's intercession for Sodom. And... He doesn't win that battle, so to speak, or that negotiation with the Lord, but he sure tries. And God bless him for trying. <laughs> it's wonderful that he tried because he didn't, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. The Lord shows him his dis- dilemma over Sodom and Gomorrah. He decides to disclose it to him. In chapter 18, verses 17 onward, he said, Should I keep secret from Abraham what I'm about to do? And he says, The outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is grievous. 
I'm going to go down and see if they deserve destruction. And Abraham's response could have been, good, serves them right. Go get them, God. Kind of more like Jonah, right? (laughs) That's what Jonah did, right? It's like, yeah, (laughs) go get them. But it's rather quite the opposite. Or he wanted, that's what Jonah wanted to happen. It's quite the opposite. He rather said, how can you, God? How can you? And rather than, he could have been, well, you can't argue with God. I can't argue, can't, you can't argue with God. He rather is, let's discuss this, God. Let's discuss this. It's amazing. It's amazing. Read it if you haven't read it, Genesis 18. He says, there may be some wiggle room here, God. Let's discuss this. I want to just say, is it over for America? We just had an election, right? Just had an election. A lot of disappointment on certain sides for the election. And uh, have we been displaced as the main democratic superpower in the world? Is our response to just watch it happen? We deserve it. Or is it to pray and seek the Lord's face? To seek him. And then speak out from his spirit against corruption and against injustice in whatever form of the culture and society and in whichever political party it operates. Because it's in both. And as I said in my devotionals, in a devotional this week, I think I mentioned yesterday, that, you know, I really felt in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that can be on either side. People say, oh, look at, look at us. Look at how we're going to, look at what we can do. Look how we, and God says, oh, no. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are, you know? We need to pray. We need to intercede. And we need to battle against injustice and, and, and corruption wherever it, take, wherever it appears. And stand for our convictions. Stand for the word of God. Stand for, the, for, for what we believe in. And, uh, and pray, and it's not over. It's not over. In any way, it doesn't have to be over. Abraham had a heart to save the depraved, even the depraved of Sodom. How about us? How about me? Do I have a heart? Yeshua's disciples wanted to call down fire on the Samaritan village for not receiving him when he was headed toward Jerusalem. And he turned and he rebuked them and he said, You don't know what manner of spirit you're of, for the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Luke 9, 55 and 56. Abraham, still standing before the Lord in verses 22 and 23, he drew near and he became, and and that word in the Hebrew means to battle. He drew near to battle and he began to intercede. It's like we intercede when we pray, we enter into battle with the enemy. It'll be contested. It's not easy. It's going to be contested. No, I'm going to go to sleep now instead. No, I'm going to, no, everything, everything's going to fight it. And uh, did he quit too soon? You know, six times instead of Ulai, six times instead of one short of seven? Or did God just say, that's enough. That's enough. You've done your part. Now watch, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You did your part. It says in verse 33, Abraham returned to his place. 
he returned to his place. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the privilege of of intervening, of interceding with you. We thank you there's nothing too hard for you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, there's nothing too, too hard for you. And you are a God who does miracles. You are a God who surprises us, Lord, with the unexpected. And we thank you, Lord. And we pray for, I pray we would have see miracles, Lord, in our midst, miracles in our, in our lives, Lord, miracles in our families' lives, miracles, Lord, in our relationships, miracles in our dreams, Lord, from you, and visions, and face-to-face, just miracles, Lord, in our outreach, Lord, and seeing, and, and a, heart filled, filled, a heart filled with a desire like Abraham to see no one perish, Lord, but all come to faith in Yeshua, all come to salvation, all delivered, Lord, no matter how horrible they are, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Fill us with that heart. And that comes, Lord, I know, we know by face-to-face encounter with you, Lord, because that's your heart. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. And if you've never trusted Yeshua and been born again and had that new birth, say, Lord, save me. Have it now. Have it now. A new birth. Save me, Lord. I want to be born again. I want to have new life. Save me, Lord. New life, new life, new start. And let us know. Contact us. If you're watching, if you're listening, contact us so we can contact you back. Sar HaShalom May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord bless, make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you May the Lord turn His face towards you and grant you His peace In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom.